Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Faces and FinOps podcast powered by ProsperOps. I'm your host, John Meyer. Faces and FinOps podcast is about highlighting thought leaders in the cloud financial management space and insights and how they're making an impact not only within their organization, but within the broader FinOps community. Today's guest is Youssef Ibrahim, who's a cloud economist lead at Block. Youssef has been practicing FinOps for over five years at multiple companies, giving him a well-rounded perspective on cloud economics and financial management practices across various centralized and decentralized operating structures. Please join me in welcoming Youssef to the show. Youssef, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you? I'm doing great. So how's your day going? Oh, it's going well, you know, just really excited to uh, to talk to you here. It's going to be the highlight of my day. I'm glad this is the highlight of your day. And actually, to kick things off, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name's Yusuf. Uh, I've been doing this cloud economics FinOps thing for over five years, back when it didn't really have a name. So I've been doing this for a little bit here now. Um, I was born and raised in Chicago, lived internationally for a little bit. Uh, came back to the States for school, and uh, now I live in Los Angeles after spending about seven years in Portland. So I've been doing cloud economics, like I mentioned, for about five years. Uh, previously was at Nike for a couple of years and uh, did a pit stop at DoorDash, doing some cloud economics uh, work there. And now I'm leading uh, the cloud economics discipline here at Block. So when I'm not thinking about cloud costs and pouring over the cost and usage report for AWS, uh, I love watching sports, big Chicago sports guy, especially the Cubs. Uh, play a lot of chess. And since I moved down to LA earlier this year, I've been trying to learn how to surf. I've been failing a little bit there, but it's just nice to be out in the water. And uh, yeah, just keeping myself active, you know, playing a little golf, little tennis, and uh, generally trying to soak up the sun while I get it. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. Yusef, I love how you put a little thing in there. Is I did a little pit stop at DoorDash. You did a little dash at DoorDash. Sorry, I had to throw a little pun in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I actually did some dashes at DoorDash. I uh, delivered some food out out uh, out in Portland while I worked out at DoorDash. It was fun. Definitely wasn't uh, cloud costs. I think the value of FinOps and the people that are in it, they don't actually consider themselves one of the original. But doing it five years is like a senior member in my mind. Oh, uh, thank you. I appreciate that compliment. Um, I will say, you know, I've seen some stuff, so I. Uh, Things surprise me every day still, and that's just the beauty of FinOps is something new is going to pop up, a new billing construct, a new anomaly is going to pop up, and you're like, huh, I haven't seen that before. So I'm always willing to learn because I definitely don't know everything there is to know. I agree with you. There's always something to learn. Yusuf, how about you tell us a little bit about uh, your role at Block and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I lead the cloud economics function at Block. I joined about a year and a quarter ago, so uh, late last spring in 2022. And similar to DoorDash, I was the first full-time cloud economics hire, which is a very interesting place to be in because you have a lot of folks that have been doing some sort of cloud financial management uh, in addition to their other jobs, whether they were an engineering manager or a TPM or what have you. So standing up the discipline from not quite zero, but standing up a very formal discipline has been interesting. And I've experienced that at both DoorDash and Block. Um, so as of today, uh, our team has grown from a team of one to a team of two. Shout out to uh, Jonathan Guy on my team. Um, he's been great uh, so far. And what we do here is we are actually uh, TPMs, Cloud Economics TPMs. And what's been interesting is over the five years that I've actually done FinOps is I've had different titles. I've been a cloud governance analyst. I've been a cloud cost analyst. 
I've been a uh, cloud economics TPM. I've reported to engineering. I've reported to the cloud business office. I've reported into a TPM org. And no matter what the title is, no matter what org structure I report into within engineering, the work is still the same. We are the cloud economics, cloud cost experts, and we're the ones taking a look at the bill, trying to deduce variances, trying to deduce patterns and trends, and being the conduit between finance and engineering, leadership and, and uh, individual contributors to really try to make our cloud environment more stable, more efficient, more modern, and all the other fun things that, you know, that this uh, industry provides for us. So uh, all in all, you know, I do a little bit of everything. Um, we do centralized rate optimization. We work with decentralized teams to look at usage optimizations. And uh, really what we're going for is trying to foster a FinOps culture at companies that didn't, at this company in particular, that didn't really have a strong cloud economics function or culture before. Yusef, for our audience, what is a TPM? Oh, great question. TPM is a technical uh, product manager, and that's just the job code that we're in. So um, what our role is, is we work with other PMs, whether they're project managers or program managers, and try to make sure that all of the cloud economics initiatives, all the optimization initiatives, tagging, for example, uh, that gets surfaced. Uh, it gets prioritized on folks' roadmaps, and we do a lot of partnering together and communication to make sure that folks are aware of some of the org-wide initiatives that we have and how that pertains to their actual engineering or product teams. Um, so like I mentioned, right, the titles are always a little different. At DoorDash, I had a cloud cost analyst title, but it was pretty much the same work, making sure that engineering teams, for example, knew about the tagging initiative that we were rolling out and what changes they had to make to their repository in order to start ingesting the tag values from our internal systems. So it's a grab bag title uh, from the cloud economics perspective because we support the entire company. We support all of Block, which is made up of Square, Cash, Tidal, Afterpay. So we really have to be proactive communicators. We have to be able to get a lead and a bead on what work is going on in what organization at any given moment. And really it's almost like cat herding. You're trying to get everyone together and working on the same, um, same initiatives because you know, if you have, for example, say you have uh, an EC2 optimization opportunity and one team can save, you know, $2,000 a year. They may look at that and say, oh, you know, that's a rounding error. I don't really need to save $2,000 this year. But if you have 50 teams that can save $2,000 a year, if you get the entire organization to buy in, all of a sudden everyone's contributed to 100K per year savings. So really making sure that everyone is on the same page and is optimizing the same way and is focused on the same priorities it's a great way to increase the magnitude of uh, the savings and the impact that you're able to have. You know, if we're just two people and we're managing a large cloud budget, um, we got to figure out ways to get more folks with skin in the game to actually act on these optimization initiatives. I like that. How would you rate your company's uh, FinOps maturity from the crawl, walk, run? Are you in various stages throughout it? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's something I think about quite a lot. We're in various stages around our different maturity levels. Um, we're currently in the process of modernizing our tech stack and moving the majority of our services to AWS. So uh, we've had to do a fair bit of education and opportunity. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity around um, the migration to educate folks about how to use the cloud efficiently. So I would say in terms of our actual spend, we're probably at a run. We're spending quite a significant amount on AWS. Um, in terms of discipline over the last year and a half, we're probably a lot closer to walking with uh, visibility and allocation. 
We still have uh, some progress to make with tagging, but that's underway and we've established a holistic hierarchical tagging strategy that fits most of our business units. Um, and in some areas, we're probably still at a crawl. And I don't think there's any shame in that. Um, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So you're not going to get to crawl, to walk, to run at every phase of FinOps or cloud economics all at once. There will be some things that lag behind. Um, and what really kind of affects that to me is I've seen centralized and decentralized organizational structures and each has their pros and cons. But when you're trying to support multiple business units and each business unit might be at a different stage of their cloud maturity level, much less to say their cloud economics maturity level, uh, you really have to tailor your approach to make sure that folks are getting what they need and you're not trying to overload their plate with all of these uh, opportunities or initiatives. Um, I'm not going to ask someone to set up auto scaling based on a super uh, specific metric uh, I might ask them if they have auto scaling set up initially or if their workload is good for auto scaling. And it's knowing the difference between crawl, walk, run and what each organization needs at each stage that allows us to be more effective because we're meeting folks where they're at. Right. In the beginning, when you're moving from the data center to the cloud, the cloud billing model is very strange. Right. It's totally variable. It's totally OPEX reliant. You're not thinking about fixed capacity in the data center to support Super Bowl Sunday. You have to think about how you auto scale because on a random July uh, Tuesday, your demand isn't going to be the same as a Black Friday for credit card transactions or the Super Bowl for credit card transactions. So bringing folks along for the ride um, is more how I think about how we get from crawl to walk to run. And knowing that it's a long process um, is where we're trying to prioritize and focus on right now. I like how you said you're bringing folks along for the ride and you actually touched on three of the main keys for implementing FinOps between the centralized, decentralized and hub or both, a variation of both. Are you using both? I think you've mentioned it where you're using centralized and decentralized at the same time throughout the organization. Yeah. Um, so Block, I would say, is a pretty decentralized organization. Uh, the business units function relatively independently. So cash and afterpay and square and foundational engineering uh, all have slightly different environments. And so when I think about centralized versus decentralized operating structure, it's a lot different, I would say, than a, you know, uh, another company that may have uh, one engineering organization and one repository and one way of deploying. We have a bunch of different ways to deploy and to spin things up. We have a couple of different Kubernetes environments, for example. So when I talk about centralized versus decentralized uh, in the context of block, what I'm talking about is what can the cloud economics team manage centrally and try to propagate centrally? And what do we need to partner with uh, application teams on or engineering teams on in a decentralized format so they can do some of the optimization? So it's pretty standard FinOps. Um, uh, definition of rate optimization versus usage optimization uh, in the operating model that we have tried to implement here at Block and are working on improving every day. Uh, cloud economics is responsible for central rate optimization, such as RIs and savings plans, trying to get to spot, trying to get to storage tiering for S3 and helping folks implement that versus usage optimization, where we may work with an application team that's deployed into Kubernetes to reduce their idle costs by reducing the delta between their uh, requested Kubernetes capacity for CPU and memory and what they're actually utilizing themselves. So the difference to me is what can the cloud economics team or the centralized FinOps team 
do and manage themselves versus what do we need the teamwork and the collaboration with the application and engineering teams to do. And then again, bringing them along for the ride. It really kind of sucks as an engineering team when you hear the cloud economics team tell you, hey, you're over, uh, you're over provisioned and you're wasting 80%, please fix that. And the application team, maybe they're new to the cloud, maybe they don't fully grasp what the cloud economics team is saying and for good reason, because there wasn't a lot of detail. That request carries a lot more weight when we come to an application or an engineering team and say, hey, we noticed you're a little bit over provisioned on your EC2. We took a look at your hourly data and we see that it's pretty static. We took a look at your data dog monitors and we've seen that you know you spike in your utilization at 2 a.m. every day. Is that a batch job? If so, here are a couple of ways you can optimize your batch job to be long running rather than all at once. And this, with this change, you might be able to move from an R6G 8XL to an R6G 2XL. The engineering effort is probably gonna take a week or two. These are the tests you can run. And oh, by the way, you can reach out to us uh, during our office hours and you can reach out to the cloud infrastructure team here in their Slack channel. If you provide all of that detail up front, that team is a lot more willing to enact that change rather than sitting there looking at the Slack from the cloud econ team and saying, meh, I have other priorities. I have other fish to fry. I'm gonna ignore this. So really, again, meeting them where they're at in a decentralized model and giving them as much information as you possibly can as a cloud FinOps representative is the key to making it work in a decentralized uh, model. Yusuf, are you using some type of like AI or automation tooling to help you achieve some of the results that you're suggesting to these different business teams or companies? Yeah, it's a great question. Right now, we don't have anything in production currently deployed. However, you know, uh, my team and I, we've thought about what we could do here. Uh, there's a bunch of different opportunities you could take. Um, one thing we're trying to do is, you know, we have a large uh, environment. We have over 5,000 AWS accounts, over 1,000 different individual defined applications. Um, we want to reconfigure a uh, easy button. And that easy button, if you click it for your application, takes you uh, to a report in the cloud optimization platform and cloud visibility platform that we utilize. Uh, it shows you your report. It might show you your optimization opportunities. It might pull in information from our observability and monitoring tool that shows you your utilization. And we want to automate that so folks have their own dashboard. Again, going back to crawl, walk, run, that's way more of a run uh, deployment or a run project, but we're figuring out what the crawl and walk stages look like in terms of manual reporting, manual observability metrics, uh, manual things before we start automating that. Um, and then with AI, I have a couple different ideas that I'd like to see us, you know, start to explore and start to implement uh, in the next coming months and years. Um, the first one is uh, for the folks that are maybe less technically minded, uh, such as such as uh, myself, you know, I don't have a formal engineering background. Um, using AI to help generate and write simple scripts for automation, and I'll use EBS. Uh, there are a couple examples with uh, EBS, such as can you get AI to write you a script that upgrades from GP2 to GP3, or can you get uh, OpenAI to write a script that terminates? Uh, sorry, excuse me, it snapshots your unattached EBS volumes first and then terminates the snapshots. Getting AI to write those scripts at least at a rudimentary level before you have to account for all of the other nuances of your production environment in a company or an enterprise uh, is a great way to reduce a lot of engineering churn and overhead uh, without sacrificing a lot of cycles. So that's an area where that could absolutely help me 
in a skill that I'm not as proficient at, uh, kind of bridge the gap in talking with engineers or uh, folks. The difference between a mature and immature FinOps team, let's talk about some of the biggest mistakes you might see from an immature. And then are there any mistakes even mature teams make within FinOps? Yeah, um, I've made a lot of mistakes, right? Five years, it's a lot of time to make some mistakes and I've definitely made some mistakes. Um, a couple right off the bat are buying RIs that are less flexible uh, for a team without really proper vetting and that team going and changing the underlying instance type four months in and us having a deadweight RI for eight months. I've done that, I've owned up to it. It happens and you learn from it. Um, another mistake uh, generally that I've seen immature FinOps teams make, myself included, is again, putting the cart before the horse and I'll keep going back to crawl, walk, run. Um, generally pretty tough to do run style initiatives before you've done the crawl and the walk. Uh, case in point, um, we have a large DynamoDB uh, environment and we were working with AWS to try to find five or six different optimization tactics, you know, removing global tables as the default and moving to regional tables, um, looking at infrequent access, setting TTL, etc. And uh, as I was presenting these optimization opportunities and recommendations, I found that folks didn't have the visibility into what these actually meant for DynamoDB, even though they'd been running Dynamo for a long time. Um, so that was a case of myself putting the cart before the horse and saying, hey, you have these six optimization opportunities. You can save 30, 40, 50%. Um, and folks not knowing that their DynamoDB was over-provisioned and under-optimized at first. So it's really, you have to understand if you're working with folks that are new to FinOps and cloud economics, you have to bring them along for the ride. AWS's billing, as great as it is, can be pretty arcane, right? If you're looking at regional data transfer, you have to know that data transfer dash regional dash bytes is for US East one, while all of the other regions uh, have the regional prefix in front. So you really have to do a fair bit of explaining and getting folks uh, on board so you can get to some of the more complex uh, initiatives. Um, so, you know, what I would do if, you know, I was the first FinOps hire within my org, which I have been now twice. Um, some of the first things that I would do is really focus on visibility and allocation figure out what opportunities there are for centralized rate optimization that don't require a lot of partnership with a lot of different engineering teams, and then figure out what the long-term cost allocation strategy are. So for visibility and allocation, one of the things that I did was I set up a monthly spender review. And at first it was pulled from Cost Explorer and hacked together with SQL queries on Athena where the cur was living in. Um, and then it kind of builds out to you know, what does the audience want to see? What does leadership want to see? What do the engineering managers want to see? Um, and then looking at reserved instances and savings plans, where at one company I was able to uh, reduce the underutilization of one RI by changing another convertible RI to a different instance type so the unused RI could pick up the slack there. Uh, things like that didn't need to make any infrastructure changes. It's just taking a look at the billing constructs and seeing what fits for your environment. And then reviewing your cost allocation strategy, it's pretty much an audit of your cloud environment. Are you using single tenant accounts or multi-tenant accounts or mono accounts? I know some people refer to them as, um, as mono accounts. Uh, are you utilizing tagging? Is your account name, uh, is your account naming strategy work as a pseudo tagging strategy? 
What can you get to with your account names? What can you get to with tagging? Um, how do you look at costs? Is it all in one payer account? Do you have different payer accounts? Things of that nature. And once you've done that audit and you've started to set up a monthly spend review, you're unlocking the visibility for folks. And folks can start to see month over month trends. They can start to see the effect that cloud economics may have. They can start to, uh, to uh, vision, envision new opportunities as well. Um, there's a lot that you can do in the first couple months to kind of get to uh, an improved state. Again, knowing that this is a marathon, not a sprint, there's a long way to go. What were you doing prior to joining Block and how did you get into FinOps? So I had been working in infrastructure strategy for about a year, two years uh, at the first company I joined out of college. And um, I enjoyed it, but you know, didn't really know what I was going through. I was figuring out what infrastructure engineering looked like. I was doing QBRs, I was doing data center reconciliation. And uh, I had a one-on-one -on -one chat with my manager and my manager mentioned at the time that uh, she needed someone to take a look at our cloud costs and start looking at this thing called cloud economics. And we didn't even know what the term was at the time. Um, and I told her point blank, I said, hey, if you don't mind me learning on the job, because I'm starting from zero here, uh, I would love to explore cloud costs. I knew that we had migrated to the cloud. I knew that folks were starting to use it, but I didn't know what it was at all. I kind of knew what EC2 was, but it was still a very foreign concept to me. So lo and behold, you know, my manager took that into consideration. She went, she had a chat uh, with some folks uh, in our department and she came back to me and said, hey, you start on Monday. Welcome <laughs> to the team. Uh, come up with the title. And that's how I became a cloud governance analyst focusing on AWS costs. And that was about five years ago. So it was pretty fortuitous. Uh, I saw an opportunity and I took it. And I'm really grateful to my manager at the time for believing in me and giving me a chance to do something I knew nothing about. And we're here five years later. Five years later, and you're a cloud economics lead at Block. What are some of your typical week, day, or month look like from a routine for FinOps? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm sure other folks will resonate with this. There's not really a typical week or month or day. Um, so I can talk about some of the things that I do regularly, but you know, waking up every morning, I don't really know what's going on besides what I see on my calendar. So um, on a monthly basis, you know, we take a look at our coverage for reserved instances and savings plans. We try to maintain industry standard coverage of about 80% plus on our savings plans. And for our eyes, the less flexible they are, the more judicious we are when purchasing these RIs. So we do that on a monthly basis. Another big thing that we do on a monthly basis is our cloud spend review, where we take a look at not just our public cloud providers, but our major SaaS providers, um, which I will not really name here. Um, and we review the cloud costs there. We look at the highest variances uh, to spend. We take a look at the largest initiatives that are currently in flight. And what we try to do is increase our visibility into what folks are actually doing in the cloud. Uh, I'm sure those of you with very large cloud bills may know that sometimes it's a mystery as to what this random six-figure charge may be or things of that nature. So our cloud spend review seeks to really highlight those largest variances and changes to our cloud spend. Uh, currently, we're in the middle of our annual planning process. So a lot of my uh, days uh, currently are filled with budgeting and forecasting conversations, making sure that we understand what net new incremental initiatives are coming down the pipeline and what our organic growth rate targets should be. 
Um, and as of uh, recently, I have shifted more into kind of a management uh, type role. So a lot of my days are currently spent with meetings, uh, which you know I would love to get more time on the keyboard and doing some deep diving into our cloud costs, but I have a pretty stellar team that is able to uh, do that for me. And we trust each other to cover each other's backs in terms of what we do. So we're a two person team and we cover a lot of ground in terms of meeting with teams, meeting with finance, meeting with procurement, figuring out the different personas and what they need and really trying to get ahead and be more proactive instead of reactive as it comes to managing our cloud uh, infrastructure. How critical is it to have an accurate reporting? Oh, it's P0. If you don't have accurate reporting, uh, no one's going to trust you. And if no one trusts you, no one's going to believe in you. And if no one believes in you, it's a lot harder to get them to act on cloud economics initiatives or complex multi-quarter projects. Um, so the main thing that we really look at when we uh, do reporting is I know there's a couple different schools of thought is we show folks their total utilization cost uh, in a net amortized fashion so they can see the discounts and they can see the effect of the centralized rate optimization. I know that there have been some schools of thought out there that say, hey, we show folks undiscounted uh, unamortized costs. So we show them their true consumption without any of the other effects. Um, but without diving too deep into discounts and all of that, uh, certain products have deeper discounts than others. And we want to ensure that folks understand they're utilizing the right products and services at any given moment to maximize both their performance and their price to get to a measure of efficiency. Um, so when it comes to accurate reporting, right, we make sure that our finance team is aligned with what we're showing out in terms of our total utilization cost. Uh, we try to differentiate between what the uh, business ledger may book for any month's account, uh, any month's cloud costs versus what an actual team might see for their total usage costs for any given month. Um, but if we see an inconsistency or an irregularity in our cost reporting, or if we see a report showing $10,000 one day and $9,000 the other day, um, our hackles are raised. We're in problem solving mode. We're in troubleshooting mode. We're trying to figure out what this delta is because if we have inaccurate reporting uh, or incomplete totals, um, that is our source of legitimacy. And if we can't show legitimate totals, if we can't show legitimate variances, Folks won't trust our information and that erodes the core principle, which is that we are being trusted to show back out uh, I'm word salad. Um, if we don't have legitimate totals, if we don't have legitimate variances, if there are errors in our data, people don't trust us to accurately bubble up cloud costs. They don't trust our visibility and then they don't trust our allocation and then they don't trust our optimization, benchmarking and performance. Um, so at its core, having accurate reporting is crucial to everything else that we do uh, in cloud economics and FinOps. You're working on budgeting and forecasting right now. Do you find it difficult to accurately budget and forecast cloud costs? Yes, absolutely. Um, as we are in the middle of this data center to cloud migration, uh, we have tried a bunch of different methodologies to try to estimate data center cloud costs or data center costs uh, into cloud costs. How do we translate uh, compute capacity in the data center to EC2? How do we estimate data transfer? If we have a database and a set of tables in the data center, what does that look like in our cloud strategy if we're deploying to 
multi-region or if we're doing multi-AZ single region. Um, those types of cost estimates are relatively hard. And I won't lie, you know, sometimes we get it wrong. Um, I feel really, really fortunate that our team members and one of our teammates has developed a pretty comprehensive model in trying to forecast what our compute and database capacity looks like in the cloud for our migrations. But other than that, you know, when you're trying to forecast pre-existing cloud spend, there are so many other factors that you have to consider. So really what we try to do is we try to caveat a lot of our growth with our assumptions. We have to be crystal clear on our assumptions. So if an assumption changes, we can make the updates in our cloud model. And we really are trying to figure out how do we tie our budget? How do we tie our growth, not just to our infrastructure uh, cost and our infrastructure trends, but how do we tie that to our top line, uh, top level business metrics? How do we tie it to our business's growth? So we can show that an investment of $1 in infrastructure results in X amount of increase in whatever top level metric we have, whether it's revenue or profit or what have you. So um, yeah, it's very difficult. It's, uh, I like to think it's a lot more art than science in terms of budgeting and forecasting cloud costs. And really what, we're, what we try to do is bucket and aggregate our costs into some higher level of order uh, buckets, such as business unit or cost center. And it really depends on what your organization looks at and looks forward to. Um, so for us, what we're trying to do with cost center is bucket all of these applications into a single cost center. So if one application grows, it's not that that application's out of budget or over budget. That cost center owner can sit there and try to balance it out with maybe another application has to slow their growth or they can deprecate another aspect. So it's really all about opportunity cost. And that's what that's the kind of uh, visibility and um, kind of strategy we're trying to bring to our budgeting and forecasting. As a cloud economics lead for Block, what are some of or what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? Uh, it's the culture shift. Um, 18 months ago, folks weren't really asked about their cloud spend. Uh, 18 months ago, there were a lot of applications still in the data center. Uh, folks were not responsible for their costs for their application because it was a fixed cost. It was depreciable. And that was not a question that was kind of bandied about. Uh, moving to the cloud has a whole host of advantages compared to the data center. We don't need to go over all of them ad nauseum here, but uh, one of the other factors in moving to the cloud is folks have a lot more control over how much they're spending and costing the company. Um, so really the biggest challenge we're facing, and this is the first and uh, foremost thing on our minds, is how do we get folks who historically have never cared about costs to care about their costs? We have to bring them along for the ride. We have to implement a crawl, walk, run model. We have to let them know that, hey, if you're over budget the first time, that's totally fine. We'll work with you. We'll get some education. We'll get some training. Cloud economics will also seek to understand why you went over budget in case it was a matter of us under budgeting or something like that. Um, and really just kind of shifting the mindset to consider fixed costs versus variable costs and all that comes with it. Um, folks that might spin up a box to test some capacity on, they may not know to spin it down because they didn't have to in the data center. That's a behavior that we are seeking to shift and to change. And so uh, all in all, the data center to cloud uh, culture shift is our biggest challenge right now. And we have some great enthusiastic folks that are really diving headfirst into AWS training and trying to get their certifications and understanding what the differences are between deploying to DynamoDB provision versus Dynamo on demand versus RDS Aurora 
or even thinking about Aurora serverless. So folks are curious and inquisitive, and I genuinely believe they want to do the right thing. We need to provide them the right resources, the right strategies, uh, so that they can fully embrace the cloud variable cost culture uh, and move away from the data center fixed cost culture. I think the culture shift is actually very key because you indicated in a data center that cost has already been allocated. I can run those servers as long as I like because they're already powered on. I'm already using that virtualized infrastructure. We're within the cloud. It's that I'm just paying for what I use. And it's a mindset that I have to turn something off when I didn't have to turn it off. Yusuf, I'm going to wrap things up with a couple more questions. One of those is, do you have any pieces of advice that you'd like to share with those who are trying to get into the FinOps world, who are in the FinOps world, or just the broader FinOps community? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're curious about FinOps, uh, if you're coming at it from an engineering perspective, or like me, more of a finance, math, economics perspective, um, there's a lot of great literature out there that you can just start reading. AWS's documentation is very thorough, and you'll have to do some digging to find what you need there. But there's also some great blogs, some great foundations, some great organizations out there that have published a lot of FinOps uh, material that I would highly recommend you start reading and reviewing. Uh, there are meetups and there are groups that you can join as well to start learning about FinOps. Um, and it's a pretty active community on LinkedIn as well. So if you're looking to break into the FinOps org, uh, try to start reading, try to formulate some questions. Uh, if you're working and if you're fortunate to have access to uh, AWS or GCP or Azure environment, a cloud environment, um, find out who's responsible for the cloud costs at your organization and go talk to them. Go figure out what their biggest problems are right now. Um, it's an area where I felt very fortunate in that when I broke in five years ago, uh, I was able to ask a lot of questions of folks in my organization, of folks uh, that worked for vendors that had a cloud economics or FinOps kind of footprint. Um, I asked a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. And I would highly recommend that anyone looking to join uh, the FinOps community also start asking a lot of questions as well. It's the best way to learn. Um, just start asking questions and then start learning by doing. That's some actually great pieces of advice, including the LinkedIn. Well, who are some of the most influential people or practitioners in FinOps that you should follow? Well, I always get a kick out of Corey Quinn and Mike Julian out of the Duckbill Group. Uh, their content is wonderful. It's written in an easily digestible format. Uh, if you're familiar with Corey Quinn, you know he's got a very unique voice as well when it comes to uh, being out there and talking about cloud FinOps as well. Uh, so I, I really do like the Duckbill Group as a uh, organization that um, you know, talks about cloud costs in a really interesting fashion. All right, Yusuf, my last question for you. This one's going to be a tough one, so hang tight as I answer. You might have to think about it. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. Where would you be right now if you didn't need to work? If I didn't need to work right now, I would not be in front of this computer, I'll tell you that much. Um, no offense. Uh, no, I would be <laughs> somewhere outside uh, close to water be it a river or a lake or an ocean. I would have a book um, paperback because I'll probably be trying to disconnect and uh, some sort of snack like chips and a nice cold drink. And, uh, you know, if I'm next to the water, you know, maybe a surfboard. I'll keep uh, failing how to surf out there. I don't think you've really thought about this one all the way down to the chips. Now you're making me hungry a little bit. <laughs> it's almost lunchtime. Well, that's awesome. Yusef, thank you so much for joining us for this awesome episode for Faces and FinOps.
Thank you, John. It was a pleasure. All right, everybody. Today's guest was Yusef Ibram, who's a cloud economics lead at Block. This has been another awesome episode and discussion around faces and FinOps powered by our good friends at ProsperOps. Be sure to hit that like, subscribe, and notify because guess what? The latest episodes will be on our new YouTube channel and a blog post. On until next time.